For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's up, Razorback fans? Welcome to the Friday HTP Show. I'm Ty Hudson, and on behalf of everyone here at the HTP, thanks for downloading and listening to our show. We hope you enjoy. If you did, feel free to rate and review the podcast. Woo, Pig Suey, go Hogs! What is going on, Arkansas Razorback fans, SEC fans everywhere? Welcome to the Hog Talk Podcast. I'm the Friday host, Ty Hudson, alongside me today, Kyle Sutherland. How, how are you doing, sir? How, how's your week so far? So far, so good, man. Just trying to stay warm. We had a cold front come through South Texas, and it's not something we're used to. Low 40s with about 15 degree mile per hour winds. So not quite what you guys are enduring up there, but mm. right here close to the Mexican border, it's, uh, it gets pretty warm most of the time. Yeah, going to freeze off your kahunes, huh? Gonna, gonna <laughs> You're in for it down there. We are too. Yeah, it's supposed to get like single digits here in, uh, here in northwest Arkansas. So uh, you guys out there, hopefully you're, you're bundled up. And you're, you're listening to this probably on your way to work. Hopefully you got a hot cup of coffee on your way, keep it warm, and uh, listening to us just babble on about the Razorbacks and, and uh, the good and the bad and the ugly. Although uh, this week, probably more good than ugly, I guess. So let's start off with some news really quick. Oh, and by the way, too, before we forget, uh, Mr. Kyle Sutherland here, he's going to interview Blake Lovell from the SEC podcast, or the Locked On SEC podcast, so stick around. That'll be the final segment of the show. Uh, pretty cool stuff. I've listened to part of it. I'm going to go back and try and finish it tonight, but uh, from what I heard, really damn good interview. Uh, really quick, just get caught up on some news related to uh, to the Razorbacks. Darren McFadden is going to have to serve three days in jail for drunk driving and resisting arrest that occurred, I think it was sometime late last year. Um, after serving his sentence, he's going to have to have his driver's license suspended for three months. So um, don't drink and drive. And, and don't go to Whataburger and fall asleep in the damn drive through Don't drink and drive? Come on, be smarter than that. And I know we all make mistakes, and I'm not going to throw stones, but... Uh, just be careful out there. We also had, right down the road from my house, we had a, a pretty severe accident. And it wasn't drinking and driving. It was just bad road conditions. And uh, we had some ice on the ground, some black ice. And uh, we had a little boy right down the road, two years old, here in Springdale, over off Butterfield Coach, get killed in the, in, the, in a car accident. And uh, he was airlifted down to uh, Little Rock Children's. And um, sure enough, he, he passed away a couple of days after the after the accident. So just be careful out there. And I, I know that's easy to say, but uh, and, and sometimes harder to do with all those crazies out there. We got really we got real there for a minute. Let's get back into sports. Joe Lenardi, 
as of, I believe this was yesterday, his latest bracketology, he's only got four SEC teams in. Obviously, Arkansas is not one of them. It's uh, going to take a lot. I, I'm not going to go into uh, – look, I've, I've said there's, it's not happening now. And I think that's the obvious. I think, Kyle, I'm pretty sure – are you on board? Where, where are you at? Do you think they have a shot, and do they actually do that? Do, do, they, do they make it? Where are you at? I'm really – I'm going to resist saying it's not going to, I mean, I do agree that it's, it's, I mean, it's basically like a 0.001% chance right now, but if let's say that just, if something crazy happens and Isaiah Joe eventually gets healthy night, if he comes back against Missouri this Saturday, it's probably going to be just in a bench role. You, you can't come back just a hundred percent after missing the amount of games that he has. Yeah. But yeah, for some reason in the last two, three games of the season, and then some of the sec tournament, they go on some kind of run and they, and they just have a, an absolute miracle. Then yeah, that, cause I think it was what 2000, the Brandon Dean year. That was just one of the, I don't want to say one of the worst teams Nolan had, but it really wasn't that good of a team. They come out of nowhere when the sec tournament, I think they got bounced in the very first round of the, of the big dance, but with the way that Eric Musselman has done that with the job that he's done this year, I don't want to say never when he has a completely healthy roster, but the thing is how healthy are they going to be with the mm. amount of minutes that all the other guys, especially Mason Jones with how great he's played all season. So I know I just gave a long drawn out response there. I am with you that it is very, very unlikely at this point. I think that really the best case scenario is the NIT, but uh, it's it basically, I said last week it's on life support. Oh man. Um, it's, it's probably not going to, but you just never know if they are able to get healthy maybe around the SEC tournament time. I, it's, it's possible, but it's not – I don't think it's – it's, it's, I'm just, I just can't say never with how good Musselman did when the team was healthy and, and just how – that's my reasoning behind that. Yeah, it, it's just not plausible. I, I, don't, I don't see how it's um, – you know, we also have Witt who's, who's battling a back injury, although he's looked – Okay, honestly, I don't know. I, I definitely don't think he's a hundred percent. But like you said, these guys, you know, how healthy are they with the amount of minutes they're having to log? And, and I do believe that fatigue is a thing in in, in basketball and sports. Um, even though it's college basketball and you play, you know, your typical Saturday, Tuesday, or Saturday, Wednesday uh, schedule, I do think as the end of the year comes up and you're logging 40, 38, 37, 38, 40 minutes game in and game out that does that you do end up with some fatigue that is a thing and i saw where people were debating that on twitter saying that it's not these kids are used to it they play in these these tournaments but it's it's you know during the off season they do this stuff especially coming out of high school they do those different events around the state or whatever but uh this is different this is conference big boy basketball this is a, a completely different set of uh set of standards and skill and everything else uh, i just realized i forgot to Got to set my mic here up, get it all fixed here. But I, uh, I, I don't think they get there. I just don't. Now nits, yeah, get it, sneak out a, a couple of wins, sneak out, get to eighteen. You can make the nits. I'm all about the nits. Year one, I'm all about them. Now, if this were, you know, if this were year three, year four, and you haven't done anything but make the nits, then yeah, that's that's uh, disappointing. Xavier Kelly, defensive lineman from Clemson, is transferred into Arkansas. What, Kyle, I'm going to let you explain this one away. There's a lot of hype and excitement around him. This was a guy at Clemson who was a special team, kind of a rotator, didn't really do much last year. He's a big boy. I think he's 
I, well, I had his size pulled up in front of me, and now I don't. I think he's what six three, north of about two eighty. Is that right? Six somewhere in there. Something around that range. Yeah, he's got about close to defensive tackle weight. Well, actually, really height as well. You, you like your defensive tackles typically to be around six one to six three range. But uh, I, I really, I had heard of the guy's name. I remember actually when he was getting recruited out of Kansas, and, but I really didn't know a whole lot about him when he was in college. And I reached out to a good buddy of mine, Ellis Talbert's his name. He hosts the fourth and fifteenth podcast and i know of course porter uh, is a big time clemson fan no uh, no i know right no and ellis <laughs> is actually uh he is a he's about as good with x's and o's that i have ever heard in my entire life i mean the guy just some of the things he says i, I know x's and o's okay but this guy could legitimately be a coach so i'll kind of be a little bit use it in layman's terms here but I, I reached out to him and asked him his opinion on it. And basically he said that he really hated to see him go with the amount of talent. That it, and that goes without saying with the amount of talent that Clemson's brought in the last four years, four to five years. And with the great defensive lines that they've had, yeah. it's just been kind of hard to find a place for him because they really didn't know whether they should play him inside or whether they should play him at a six eye, which of course is, is on the tight end. So there was just a bunch of things that they just really, not necessarily that they couldn't figure out, but it's just they had so much talent at that at those positions that they weren't really sure what to do. So in a Barry Odom in a Barry Odom defense, he should probably thrive. You would think they can probably play him outside. I don't know that you'll really see him play at the nose. That that was basically what he told me. Um, you'll probably see him play mostly outside. But either way, uh, you get a guy that was a former top 100 player in the entire country, and you bring him in with a very young defensive line that can use. Face it, we can use a, a, another body, especially of his caliber, at any position with the position that we're in right now. So definitely an upgrade any way you slice it, but I, I think that definitely we're going to see a lot of really good things from him next year. One one year of eligibility, is that right? Yes, he's a yeah grad transfer. Grad transfer, year. yeah, okay. Yeah, they, I, I agree. They need it up front. You do have Dorian Gerald coming back, who's going to be your, uh, you know, he's going to be one of your ends. He's going to play outside. You've, I, I've said all along, I don't think the depth there is bad. It's just uh, really unproven. A lot of freshmen in that last class. Um, a lot of. You got to remember, Cole Lee is going to have. He's going to have an entire season, assuming that he doesn't get hurt without the club on his hand. Mm, very true. Yeah, that's one guy just to point out in particular that I thought played really well as a true freshman. That what did only did it with one hand for what six, five, six games, something like that. Solely, I'm all about. I mean, that kid saw the field and uh, got a chance to. I mean, obviously, I was at the. I went to the Little Rock game and and uh, saw him out there. But throughout the year, keeping an eye on him. I really uh, – that's a big deal for, for a freshman to make the field, to just get on the field is a big deal. And then him to to, to accomplish what he did his freshman year, not too bad, and like you said, with a club with uh, with, with a wrapped-up hand. We know Colin Clay transferred to uh, Oklahoma State, so you lost him. But you do have – I do think the depth there isn't as bad as in some other places, right? So I, I, the, I think it's they're in good shape there. The question is – and Jacob and I used to talk about this all the time, having the quote unquote, you know, the quality depth at the at, at like the linebacker position. That is <laughs> it goes without saying. Everyone who's who's paid attention to Arkansas football for even just a year understands, oh my God, they're in some trouble at linebacker at all three spots. And uh, I'm still not entirely sure what Barry Odom's going to do with what his front's going to look like, if he's going to run just a, a, a traditional 4-3 or if they're going to run a 3-4 or whatever. Uh, four two five, whatever they decide to do, I don't know how many linebackers are going to be on on the field at a given time, but they're thin there. 
But I, I feel like defensive line, they're in good shape as far as talent, or excuse me, as far as depth this year. Beyond this year, I really don't know. It's it's just kind of up in the air. But I, Xavier Kelly is a, uh, I, like you said, and like your friend said there, who, who knows a lot more about the situation than I do. I, I have to agree with him, though. What little I do know, that's a hell of a, an addition for them up front. And uh, we'll have to wait and see. I, I, I hope he uh, I hope he comes in and contributes to year one, like I'm sure all Hog fans do. Uh, let's move on to the last little bit here, and then we'll get to that interview with Kyle um, here in just a second with, with uh, Blake Lovell from uh, Locked On SEC Podcast. Razorbacks played Gonzaga, and this is – I'm so glad we didn't record earlier because now we can kind of talk about this game a little bit. Uh, they got the dub, but it wasn't easy. It wasn't like when they their last opponents, who they just you know you knew after like the fourth inning this thing was over. This was not the case with Gonzaga. In fact, they tied it up at five for uh, at least uh, three innings. But Arkansas found a way to get the win. Kyle, yeah, it was it was pretty ugly early. You know, one one of those things about uh, Cole Ramage, he. Man, he's he's got some good stuff. He really does. So does Kevin Copps. Both of them do. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, on that first home run that that Ramage gave up, I think the wind. We all agree that the the wind had uh, gave him a lot more help to uh, to make it go out of the park. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it just it really wasn't there for for Ramage and Copps today. Uh, and then the, I would say that that uh, Trest and, and uh, Monk and, and Vermillion they they all came in and did a pretty good job. Closed out the game well. I mean, really, what was the what was the the game winner for us was in the seventh inning when we had the bases loaded and Christian Franklin with his speed, he, he goes in gets the ground ball and just barely, I mean, literally by an eye, that's one of the closest I've ever seen uh, that he put his foot on the front of the bag. And had he not done that, had he tried to go on top of the bag, he would have been out. No question. But uh, his speed made the difference there. And then right afterwards, of course, Goodhart was on third in the wild pitch, puts him up seven to five. And, and then uh, Tristan Vermillion closed. Well, scary there. In the bottom of the ninth, or I guess the top of the ninth, they uh, they had runners on the corners and uh, they were able to to get the W. But it was close. But I'll tell you, Ty, I think going into Houston next week, you play schools like Texas and Baylor and Oklahoma. That's going to be your first true test. I mean, this mm. is not a team. I, I wrote a piece on this earlier this week that this Gonzaga is certainly not one you can overlook. They were picked first in the WCC. Yep, they've got a couple really good pitchers. Their third baseman and, and shortstop are studs. So this is certainly – you can't overlook anybody, but definitely these guys. And I, I think this might be one where we'll probably win the series, but it might be good to drop a game. You know, it's a four-game series, so it might be good just kind of for for your uh, – your, I don't know what's it like. It's your, your mind, your state of mind mm-hmm. to go ahead and drop one going into Houston because of the talent that you're going to face there. Yeah, they had um, – and, and, and I agree. I think it was interesting to see – to see their their pitching rotation today, so that, that to me said first off, Ramage probably would have a short leash no matter what. Anyways, uh, he's not a typical starter, at least not not yet. And I I don't think he did himself any favors today. Uh, but you had Ramage pitch two and a half, Cops pitched two, well two point two, and then Cops pitched two point one according to their stat sheet. And then Monk uh, is it Monk or is it Monkey or like M O N K E? Mon- I monkey. I hadn't. I didn't really know a whole lot about him. I, I'd seen him on the roster, but really hadn't seen really what he was. He had done. I think he's seen one game. Or he saw like one inning mm-hmm. against Eastern Illinois. Uh, but I, I believe it actually is pronounced Monk. 
Okay. Well, he had a hell of a game for just, you know, he actually got the dub. He got the win. He ended up pitching, uh, he ended up getting two innings, but he had, uh, he he got three K's in those two innings. It's not a bad way to go. And, um, listening to them talk about him on the radio, they're, they're pretty big on, uh, Obaba and, uh, BK. We're, we're pretty excited about him. And then Trest came in and pitched an inning. And then Vermillion got the save. Um, not going to lie. It seemed like, it seemed like those guys were hitting everything. Uh, Gonzaga ended up with 11 hits in this ball game to Arkansas's eight, but, you know, no no errors, no errors listed. But Arkansas found a way to get the dub. They win seven to five. They're going to play tomorrow. I think it is it three three p.m. tomorrow. I think uh, three. Yeah, I think just about all of them this week are, are around that time. Uh, maybe one o'clock on Sunday, but it's all around the like one to three range. The uh, all the games this weekend. Yeah. D- did you see they moved? Uh, they moved guys around a little bit. I guess they moved Martin to the cleanup. Uh, yeah, they moved Martin to clean up, which originally was Goodhart. And now the only switch that they made at the Eastern Illinois series, of course, they faced two lefties, I guess, in game two and three. And uh, I, I had completely botched this uh, in the podcast on, on Monday. How but dare moved, you? They, I know, right? They uh, they moved Opitz and they moved Opitz to the eighth spot, which he originally started in game one at six. And I believe it was uh, – I think it was Robert Moore that they switched him uh, him and Opitz from the six and the eight spot. But they did all kinds of switching today. I mean, Franklin was originally two. He was at five. Kerstead was originally at three. He was at two. So, yeah, it was it was a bu- it was all the same guys, but they did a bunch of moving around. Yeah, and listen, I, I, I've talked about this too, and I think, I think uh, the guys have as well, maybe Jacob on another show. Um, you're going to have – you're going to drop a game to some of these teams because you're experimenting. I mean, this is just what he does. I've Dave Van Horn, good lord, he's been here since what oh uh, three, oh three oh four. They will switch things around with their lineup, their 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 bullpen. They'll they'll he'll experiment with these. And the, this is the time to do that. This is the time to get it figured out. You're going to drop some games, and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them drop this series. It really wouldn't. And it's a four game series. Um, I hope they at least split it. I'd like to see that because Gonzaga actually holds the uh, the series uh, lead four to two. Now it's four to three, but coming into this, they held the series lead four to two. I'd like to see Arkansas change that this week, but who cares? It's a non-conference game. It's not going to really do much for you at the end of the year. But this is the time where you make you make changes to your batting order, to your bullpen. You you maybe only give a guy. And I, I think I told you guys in our in our group text on the Hog Talk group text. I said I was really hoping they'd give Monk. Um, every time I look at his name, I want to say Monkey. <laughs> but uh, Monk, I, I wanted to see him get another inning. I mean, he had three he had three Ks. Uh, and pitched a hell of a you know just two innings. I'd like to have seen him get three or four, but I get it. You know they uh, they want to rotate these guys out, and you got Trest and obviously Vermillion able to come out and and uh, and, and to get the save and, and to clean this thing up to to end it. But uh, I, I I still think it's too early to say anything as far as what to expect from either well from the mound. I don't know what to expect from the bullpen. I believe their hitting ought to be just fine, and I've said. I said this too. I do think they end up with forty plus wins this year. I do like their odds to make the College World Series. Look, that's the fu- this is the fun of it, right? I know when I'm wrong because people on Discord and in my live chat on PTN over on YouTube will certainly remind me of when I'm wrong. I'm okay with that. I'll take it if they don't get to forty wins, but I think they get to forty plus wins, 
and uh, you know it's it's you never know it's a shot in the dark as far as as far as getting to Omaha. You just you really don't know. I mean, there was a year when Arkansas was ranked top three or number one in the country, and they fell flat on their face. I can't remember what year that was. Um, uh, 2013. Was yeah, it 13? Yeah, we started off 2013 and uh, as number one, and we got to the Super Regionals, but uh, they yeah didn't make it to the World Series. That didn't year. make it to the World Series for us, for Arkansas fans anymore. That's that might as well you just might as well say that's uh, you expect more. How about that? Especially when you're ranked number one. That's that's where you're at. Arkansas baseball and Porter loves to talk about this, and he's right. Things are going. They're looking pretty good on the hill. Like women's basketball, softball, men's basketball. The the future's bright. Baseball team is just. I mean, let's face it. You can expect them to at least have a good year, um, at the very least. I think. Uh, you know, football's. You believe is, or at least I do anyway, is trending in the right direction since Pittman's been hired. All these great additions and these transfers and and uh, that that recruiting class that he salvaged. I was wrong. I was wrong. He found a way to get into the top 30. That blew my mind. So uh, Porter's right when he says that. This the, Everything up on the hill is trending in the right direction. Hog fans have no reason to be disappointed right now. Now, you know, we'll have to wait and see. 2020 uh, might be a rough year on the football field again, but you're, you're still trending in a pretty good direction. At least it seems that way. So next up. Kyle Sutherland here is going to interview Blake Lovell again from the Locked On SEC podcast. You guys stick around. Woo pig suey. Welcome back to the Hog Talk Podcast. We are now joined by Blake Lovell from the Marching to Madness Podcast and also recently began hosting the Locked On SEC Podcast, which we will talk about here at the end of the segment. And uh, Blake, just to get started here, so uh, the Razorbacks are currently sitting at 11th in the SEC, which is what the voter, the voters in the media had projected them before the season began. They welcome in Mizzou to Bud Walton Arena, who is sitting at number 10. And they've won three of their last four, including Arkansas and a big one against Auburn. How do you like the matchup right off the bat? Well, you said it. I mean, I, th- I think you'd like it a lot more if uh, Missouri had not been playing so well right now. But I, I would say that Missouri, Kentucky's probably certainly playing the best. But, I mean, you could really probably even throw in Missouri right there in that next group. Like, they've been that good. And so uh, it's a tough matchup. And I think you you know kind of how that first game played out. It was a very, you know, tough game. And, and there's no doubt I would expect this one to be close again. But the thing is, too, that I think Arkansas could have working in its favor here, despite the losing streak, is Missouri hasn't been as good on the road. And, you know, they played well at LSU. That that was one that, that certainly helped them out a bit uh, to maybe give them a little boost here. But but overall, they, they haven't really played well for the most part on the road. And so uh, that's something that, that could be in Arkansas's favor here. But if Missouri's played like they have the past two weeks, uh, it is going to be a challenging game without question uh, based on how Xavier Pinson and really everyone else around him is playing right now. With Isaiah Joe missing the past five game, which the Hogs are zero and five, and they've lost eight of their last ten in general, how long do you see it being? Obviously, Isaiah Joe's not going to come back a hundred percent, and and when he does come back, whether it be against Missouri or next week, he's not going to be a hundred percent, and he's more than likely going to be coming off the bench. How long do you think it'll actually be before he is a factor, or at least one where he could possibly be starting again with the season coming down to the final stretch? 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, and here's what I think, you know, everybody's looking at the resume and trying to figure out, okay, how does Arkansas get in at this point? I think their best path to getting in, uh, I mean, obviously, best case scenario is to go 5-0 and or 4-1 and or something like that. But the thing is, is if they can beat Missouri, Georgia, and Texas A&M and not lose any of those games to teams that, you know, are not projected NCAA tournament teams, even if they were to lose that game to Tennessee and that game to LSU, you don't want to give away both of those because they're both at home. But let's say they did. I still think, you know, you're going to go into the SEC tournament potentially still somewhat being into the conversation. You're going to hear people are going to disagree with me on that. But uh, let's remember this bubble, if you look at it right now, you know, Alabama is off the bubble. Mississippi State's right there. And you look at Joe Lenardi's latest one, which he updated on Thursday. You know, Arkansas's back in to that next four out group with South Carolina there as well. So uh, it's not as though I think you look at it because in the committee, too, is going to weigh Isaiah Joe's injury. There's no doubt about it because it's clear that they've been a different team without him. Uh, now you can't go into the SEC tournament at six and 12 or something like that and expect to to have that weighed to that extent. Um, so you're right. I mean, it's it's how he comes back. How big of a factor can he be when he does come back? Uh, because they've still played some close games without him. And and that's why this this Missouri game, really these next two games against Missouri and Tennessee, are so important. If they can win both of these and then, again, not drop the game to Georgia or A&M, uh, then I think they're in a much better scenario and we're probably looking at them going into the SEC tournament feeling a lot better about where they're at. So there's five games left on the regular season schedule. They've got three at Bud Walton. How – how much do you realistically or how many wins do you think that realistically they can get? Now you look at, I know you've talked about it on your podcast. Of course, they've got Missouri coming in this weekend. They've got Tennessee left on the schedule. They go to Georgia home game at L or home game against LSU. And then they finish up on the road at a very hot A and M team. How many wins do you think that just in your mind, they could get in those final five? Well, I think they can win all three of the home games. Um, and then, you know, you're putting yourself in a situation where, okay, can you, you can probably find a way to win either at Georgia or at Texas A&M. Now, 5-0 and o is going to be a tough challenge. But, um, you know, if Isaiah Joe's back and contributing, it's not out of the question when you actually think about it uh, because their home games are against teams, you know, aside from how well Missouri's been playing. I mean, Tennessee – Tennessee's been up and down. I don't know that you can look at Tennessee and say, well, you're just completely fearing a matchup like that uh, because the Vols have not been good on offense at all. Uh, and then you've got LSU, who, quite frankly, speaking of a, a Tennessee team that's bad on offense, LSU's terrible on defense. And so uh, the matchups, I think, actually work in Arkansas's favor here because uh, their schedule compared to some of the other teams is actually not that bad. So realistically, I mean, four and one, I think, is a possibility here. Now, again, which four is that? And the one probably can't be against Missouri, Georgia, or Texas A&M uh, because you don't want to add that bad loss. And that's where the difference between a team like Arkansas and Alabama right now, you know, Arkansas has no, at this point, they have zero quad three or quad four losses. And that is what's going in their favor. Now, as of right now, Losing to Missouri would be a quad three loss. Uh, so that's why they have to find a way to win this game because at least at this point, yes, they've lost some of these close games, and I know it's been frustrating for fans, but from a numbers standpoint, it still hasn't hurt them all that much because they don't have those truly bad losses that some of these other bubble teams do right now. We've seen this talked about quite a bit, and I know you mentioned it as well. We saw this even whenever Isaiah Joe was still here and healthy. As you've gotten into conference play, which you didn't really see this as much when you weren't playing as high of a, of a caliber teams that you are in conference, which we were not playing those in the non-conference mo for most of the time. it's It seems like off the dribble, it's just that 
we can't we can't consistently keep up for 40 minutes with guards in the SEC, and we surely saw that against Florida. Do you think that even with Isaiah Joe being back, that that would still be a factor, or just him being there with his 16 points per game and and his very underrated defensive play would that make a much bigger factor? And I think they could certainly have won a couple more games, but how much do you think that comes into play? Yeah, no, I think it does, and I think you know, I think Musk. What did he say? I think it was lateral speed, or, or I think that's how he put it in terms of uh, saying that that they don't have enough lateral speed right now to be able to keep up with guys off the dribble. And I think the point he was making uh, was someone like Andrew Nimpart at Florida, who you know he they did whatever they wanted to off the dribble, and and that helped him pull away and win that game. Uh, but yeah, that's that's still going to be a problem, I think, just in general with this group is you know as good of a defensive team as they've been. Because let's remember, I mean, they are still in the top thirty in terms of defensive efficiency and all that. Um, but their offense has taken such a hit, I think, without Isaiah Joe, because everything has pretty much had to go through Mason Jones and and some of the other guys have stepped up as well. But uh, they've got to get that defensive edge back where they're able to, to be able to guard some of these guys you know, off the triple. And if they can do that, you know, you'll have a chance to win some of these games because you look at the matchups the rest of the way, um, you know, you've played someone like Andrew Nimpar. You look at the guards Mississippi State has, uh, certainly Auburn, teams like that. Uh, you know, Missouri, Xavier Penson, guys like that are playing well, but you still feel like, you know, maybe this is a team that wants to try to get to the free throw line. So that's going to be even more important in terms of being able to, to not foul and, and try to force them to shoot from outside because they're not very good from there. But yeah, that, that, that lateral sort of guarding, like he's talked about and being able to stop guys off the dribble, uh, that's going to be a key to them trying to get to that, you know, four and one, five and oh type of mark here during the regular season. We're talking with Blake Lovell from the Marching the Madness podcast and the Locked On SEC podcast. And Blake, as we finish up here, there's been a lot of talk. I'm sure you've seen it on Twitter that, Whenever you start to lose games, now a few months ago, whenever we had gotten into the beginning of SEC play, a lot of Arkansas fans were wanting to give Eric Musselman a blank check, just thinking he was just, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I think he's a great coach even now, but just thinking that he was going to be here for the, the rest of time, essentially. And one of the biggest knocks that I've seen on him lately from some is they said that he mishandled recruiting in terms of Isaiah Moss, which is certainly not his fault. And having three, the big one though, having three transfers on the bench right now. And so do, do you think that he could have gone about that? Just you personally. Now, I'm not saying that that's what I think, but it certainly is the opinion of many. Do you think that he could have gone about that in a different way? Or do you feel that that's probably the best option that he had just to consider when you think about the long term and not thinking so much about just this year alone? I think it's the latter. And I'll tell you, it's funny, isn't it? Because when you start losing games, we start finding stuff like this to pick apart. Um, you know, when they were 14 and two, we weren't, we weren't having that conversation where we, we weren't picking apart those kind of things because people don't care at that point. Uh, but they do start caring whenever you start losing games. And that, that's what I think that is so easy to sort of look at and say, all right. Well, if we want to find a way to, to pick apart maybe how he did something wrong and has put us in this position, let's use this. And I just don't think that's realistic. I think it's one where, let's remember, I mean, he was like he was sort of shuffling to, to try to put together the best roster he could put together this season to win right away because we know that's what it's like. We, we can talk all we want about, you know, coaches have three or four years now to do this or that. The pressure is as high as it's ever been, and he steps into a job where you have a fan base that is absolutely just waiting to get back to you know the mid-90s and want to have that type of success again where they can compete for an SEC championship every single season. And so if that's what sort of he looked at and they as a staff and said, this is going to give us our best opportunity to have a roster this year that can win right away – 
I don't know how at this point in the season you can look back and say, well, you know, you could did this wrong or that. I mean, sure, I'm sure there's some things he probably would have liked to do differently, um, as every coach would at this point in the season. But uh, at the end of the day, Arkansas is 16 to 10, not really because of anything Eric Musselman, I think, has done bad from a coaching standpoint. This team came into the season, we said it. They had no size, they had very little depth. And, you know, outside of Arkansas fans, there was not a lot of high expectations. I don't think anyone could have said that we expected Arkansas to be 14-2 and two, you know, on January the 15th of the regular season, but they were. And I think you just you chalk it up to a team that didn't have depth, that sort of hit the grind of SEC play. We see teams run into this every single year. They've hit the grind. They don't have the depth. Uh, they wear down, and you've had arguably either your best player, second best player, whichever one you want to go with, injured for the past five games. That's why Arkansas is struggling right now. I don't think it has really anything to do with with missing on this idea before the season or missing on this personnel move. Um, I just think it's it's the nature of, of college basketball, and sometimes these things happen. I personally could not agree more. I think you took the words exactly right out of my mouth. That's essentially – I mean, you went into a lot of detail there, a lot of things that have needed to be said, but – Sometimes it's just, and that's, and that's the, the whole fun of this. You know, a lot of people talk about how much Twitter's a cesspool and to an extent it really is, but I really enjoy the, the debates that we've had. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you though. I think, I think you took, and I get it. And that's what I was going to say. Sorry. I don't no, mean to good. interrupt, but like, and I get it from a fan standpoint. Like I completely understand. And I try to say this all the time. Like I get the frustration. It, it makes sense, but I think it, you also have to be able to take a step back and sort of look at the entire picture without any sort of bias and say, okay, if I'm not an Arkansas fan, how would I be viewing this right now? And I think a lot of people on the outside, you know, again, we were talking about Muss as the SEC coach of the year probably about, you know, a month ago. And, and you know, his best player's gotten injured since then, or second best player, whatever. Um, I just think it, it gets overblown at this point, and it's so easy to start finding things wrong uh, just because you're losing games. Well, before we get off here, uh, I want to want you to plug your socials, of course, talk about uh, your Twitter handle and then the new podcast that you have with the SEC. For those that are not that are not aware of Blake, he's been around for a long time, covered all kinds of different sports, covered the NFL, college basketball, you name it. And uh, one of the most unbiased you'll find if you're an SEC fan or a team of any of the of a fan of any of the teams in the SEC, uh, his podcast that he has just begun is is the one to follow. And I'll let him go ahead and talk about that. So if you can just go ahead and uh, drop your Twitter handle and and talk about the two podcasts that you do. Yeah, I appreciate it, Kyle. I really do appreciate the kind words. And, and like you said, uh, the Marching to Madness podcast, that's the uh, college basketball podcast we've been doing for over four years, around four years now, I guess. Uh, we've had hundreds of coaches on with interviews on that. And um, so you can find that certainly on any podcast app you use. And then the Locked on SEC one, like you said, uh, a lot of people know me as the SEC basketball guy just because uh, I think a lot of people jumped on several years ago because there wasn't as much SEC basketball coverage. Uh, but as you mentioned, you know, I've covered SEC football, baseball, NFL stuff, just got I've done a lot. Uh, that's the life of a sports writer and freelancer, I guess. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, having a lot of fun on the Locked On SEC podcast. So, uh, if you're a fan of any of the SEC teams, uh, hopefully you get a chance to, to listen to that and uh, everything else on Twitter at the Blake Level. And another great thing about it is I know that one frustrating thing for me is some of the podcasts that I'm subscribed to is some of them are an hour, which I love pardon my take, but it's really hard to get a full weekend of those in and, and other ones that are just an hour and a half to two hours long. This is between 30 and 40 minutes. Most of us, I'd say the average American probably drives about at least 30 minutes to work. 
so you can get an episode to to and or from uh it's really quick and a lot of good information so blake man always enjoy talking to you really appreciate you coming on yeah thanks for having me kyle thanks man and that will do it for another episode from all of us here at the hog talk we as we appreciate as always that you guys are listening catch us next time we will see you then For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.